and welcome to the show. This is As Lutheran As It Gets. And as always, your two favorite Lutherans in the whole wide world are <laughs> at the controls. <laughs> Pastor Christopher Gillespie uh, does production and audio and uh, all the behind-the-scenes tinkering. Yeah, that's and true, I do. I do the bump music and uh, a lot of uh, villainous monologuing. Mm-hmm. I'll try to add some useful content here and there if I can. That's right. Exactly. That's because so people we are love here. me. It's it's those yeah it's those random abstracts. That's right. Put two of them together. It just it's so much fun. <laughs> just Indeed. get lost in the woods. Indeed. Two babes lost in the woods find a gingerbread house. <laughs> as long as you leave enough of those uh, what seeds or whatever behind you. No right yeah, seeds. Well, that's no that doesn't work. Pebbles. Pebbles. Yes. No breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs. It doesn't work. But the birds eat the breadcrumbs. I know, right? That's why Hansel and Gretel got lost. <sighs> These stories. I know, right? Mm. So we thought this week for the third episode of As Lutheran As It Gets, we got to come up with an acronym or something so I don't have to say that every time I want to mention the show. A lag or a lag or a lag. lag. That's not good. It does not work. (laughs) All right. So forget that idea. Um, This week on As Lutheran As It Gets, we are going to talk about probably one of our favorite theologians uh, of all time, Dr. Norman Nagel. Mm-hmm. Who is still alive, living in St. Louis? Ninety second birthday uh, as today was, I think it was, or was it yesterday? It was yesterday, possibly. So happy birthday to Dr. Nagel. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think we both appreciate and adore about Dr. Nagel is not only how doggedly Christ focused he is, mm-hmm. um, and just the fact that he verbs nouns, which is the best thing ever. It's a very Hebrew minded way of thinking in English. Actually, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't catch that. Um, But he's also probably one of my favorite incarnational sacramental theologians ever. Just for the way that he talks about the sacraments, the way he talks about the gifts in particular, Mm -hmm. and the language of giftedness and promise is so strong. And Dr. Nagel was a a student of Dr. Herman Sazé and translated a lot of Sazé's work for us into English. And... Also, then you can kind of, I think, well, actually, the more you read Saze, the more you read Nagel, the more you can see this lineage. Yeah. And carrying the ball forward. And the thing that we were talking about before the podcast is that uh, this generation that Dr. Nagel came out of, they weren't afraid to make assertions. And they were so well-trained and so intelligent, so, so freely in Christ, intelligent and, and knowledgeable, that when they made assertions, it was just assertion after assertion after assertion, and yet they put them together in such a way that it always led you back to Christ. It always led you law, gospel, Christ, cross, baptism, Lord's Supper, and so forth. Yeah. And they were so literate in the language of the confessions and so literate in the language of Scripture, like a good Lutheran ought to be, mm-hmm. that it, it just... It, again, it, it just kind of melts all your circuits when you read them because, at least for myself, like I said, it's, their thinking is so remarkable and their ability to, to think about Scripture as a whole and think about the confession, the Lutheran confessions as a whole and how literate they are. Yeah. And put it together in such a, a way that's so simple and yet causes you to say, I have to think about this. I'm not really sure if I'm ready to like digest this yet. Um, it's like a, a friend of ours said that he took Dr. Nagel's class when he was a freshman at seminary, and, and he just wasn't ready for it. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, that's he true. Was, he was in the parish three years before he realized that he was finally ready to hear what Dr. Nagel had to say to him. I've had that with other teachers too, you know? Oh, sure. Absolutely. I, uh, when, I, when I went to seven, the first, first semester was uh, Church History One with uh, William Weinrich, right? Mm-hmm. And he, is, he, he, was, he did his PhD in Germany. So uh, he has that level of scholarly intensity that right. if you've not been in school for a while... <laughs> and never mind graduate school. Mm-hmm. And so you just don't even know what hits you. It's like a freight train. Hans Spalteholt, he was one of my professors at Concordia, Portland, mm-hmm. when I was out there. And, and he did a lot of work at the LCMS Seminary in Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was playing chess with Professor Spalteholtz once, he, we were talking about the Brothers Karamazov by uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky. And he was telling me why I needed to, to get this book. Um, and I had never read it yet. I hadn't been introduced to Dostoevsky yet. Yeah. And and he said, well, the first thing that you must do is read the Brothers Karamazov. That is his masterwork. And everything, I mean, it's it's brilliant. He said, but, but also you need to understand that you don't read the Brothers Karamazov. <laughs> you experience the Brothers Karamazov. Yeah. And that was in 1998. And I have not finished the book yet. <laughs> it's a life work. It is. I read it. To, I reread it from the beginning every time I pick it up because it takes me a year or two to come back around to it. And then I have to read through what I've already read to refresh my memory. Yeah. And then I'll read a little bit further and then something will happen. Something will be said. Um, and then it causes me to stop and say, oh, all right. <laughs> I, I guess I have to confront that now. It's like a, like an epic poem, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Where you, where you just you don't even know what happened to you, and you, have to go, you go back and you start to see some of the nuances, but even then. Well, and the thing about a guy like Dostoevsky or Steinbeck or even Cormac McCarthy <laughs> is that they they speak very simply about these very profound and deep topics. Yeah, and that's I think the the kind of point that coming back around to Dr. Nagel is Dr. Nagel Nagel writes in such a way that my fourteen year old mm-hmm. enjoys reading him. And yet there's a depth to what he's saying right. that would cause, it still causes me to stop, think about it for a year, come back around to the essay again, revisit it, and constantly keep coming back to it and chewing on it, like the essay we talked about with, Doc, with Herman Sase, mm-hmm. uh, Preaching the Sacraments. Is that mm-hmm. something that you keep coming back to because it's so dense? Um, right. But the difference well, between... in the way of the scriptures, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, Exactly. Maybe you, maybe you can plumb the depths of this essay. I'm not even sure that you can. Right, no. Because uh, he's writing an essay. So that's actually a good segue, right? <laughs> so th- for this podcast, then, uh, Dr. Norman Nagel in Concordia Journal in July of 1992 wrote an essay, an article entitled The Spirit's Gifts in the Confessions and in Corinth. And so he's writing essentially what is a commentary on the Spirit's gifts in the Lutheran Confessions and in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and then taking all of that and making it present tense. (laughs) So, you know, not a big deal. No, just a little side project, right? Right. Something you just rip that off in 45 minutes to an hour. And so the the thing, again, that I appreciate about this essay that causes me to come back to it over and over again is every time I read it, there's something else that kind right. of drags me down into the depths and causes me to say, all right, I guess this is going to kill me and, and give me new life now. But that's the way of evangelical assertions. That's kind of the point that I was making earlier about 
Dr. Nagel and his generation is that these assertions they make so freely are so evangelical. They're, mm-hmm. they're not uh, legalistic in the sense of pointing us to ourselves or pointing us to the church um, in a kind of local sense, but that it's the assertions are always pointing us to Christ mm-hmm. and the distinctions which Lutherans um, thrive on. You know, we thrive on the tensions, we thrive on the distinctions. It's kind of the Lutheran bread and butter when it comes to reading scripture and, and writing theology and, and teaching and preaching. Right. So in this essay then, on page 235 at the top of the page, he gets into this whole matter of first article gifts mm-hmm. yeah. and second article or third article gifts, gifts of the Spirit. Yeah, well, early earlier in the essay, he had made one statement that really struck me. What's that? Uh, well, he was trying to deal with... Um, how does a Christian approach the Ten Commandments, right? Mm-hmm. And so the Father gives us all created things, Christ right. gives us all his works, and yes. the Holy Spirit gives Spirit us all gives his gifts. Gifts, yeah, exactly. So he's got, he's got all, uh, all three persons of the Trinity being you know, the giver God. You know, that's what he's about. Right. That's what it means to be a gracious God is that he gives. Actually, that's a great point then, too, because that's, that's kind of the summary of these two paragraphs we're going to read. Mm. which is is him kind of reiterating what you just wrote and expanding upon that a little bit. Right. He says, this is the way then that the, that spiritual gifts, capital S spirit, spiritual gifts, are spoken of in the large catechism. Spiritual with a capital S, big or little s, is always the test. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear him ta- saying this. Oh, yeah. So spiritual with a capital S, big or little s, is always the test. While these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Creaturely gifts are confessed as the gifts of the Father. The Father gives us all created things. Christ gives all his works. The Holy Spirit, all his gifts. Large Catechism 2, 69. That's such a wonderful, just, that's amazing. Isn't (laughs) it? it, that, That Luther, and again, maybe Luther learned this from one of his professors. Maybe it was just, he, you know, again, it just, the light went off one day. But the Father gives us all created things, Christ gives us all his works, and the Holy Spirit all his gifts. Like, eh, I can never tell my confirmands this because it would just completely erase the need to, to teach the, the creed for an entire year. <laughs> right, it is a sum, uh, really a concise summary of the creed. What's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, I believe that, that God you know. gives. <laughs> right. I believe, and that you know, requires faith. Because um, obviously, even with the Father's gifts, we we want to think right. that all created things are our, are ours for the taking or for the creating or right um, whatever. And that's kind of the bent too of the article is to distinguish between the gifts and the language of giftedness. Because if we confuse first article gifts and third article gifts, mm. what I've seen happen, speaking you know pastorally practically, is people will say things like i'm so blessed and then list off material blessings right which we would actually distinguish as first article gifts gifts not necessary for salvation mm-hmm. but you see what happens then when the first article gifts become a sign of god's grace and favor because yeah. as those things are taken away the language of giftedness goes away and all of a sudden then the why and the how pops up you know, why is this happening to me? How could this happen to me? Where is God in all this? And so it is very important to understand, you know, on the one hand, the third article gifts in distinction from the first article gifts so that in our vocations, 
we don't become confused when we are sick or suffer or are afflicted. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, Christ gets taken out of the picture too. Um, exactly. Quite often you say, well, you know, God has shown favor to me or I'm blessed, as you said, um, yeah. because I have this stuff or, you know, I have to keep my job or whatever it is, or I've got eight kids or, I, you know, just pick your first article blessing and say, right. but does that actually prove that God loves you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because he does, he's done that for a lot of people who don't believe anything about him. Right. Right. Well, or have rejected he him. He makes the sun and the, the rain to fall on the good and yeah, the evil exactly. alike. Yeah. So then what's the role of Christ and, mm-hmm. and his, his works, his obedience to the law, for example? Right. Or, the, first ta- the first article gifts, the creaturely gifts, earthly gifts, that's all in the realm of law. Mm-hmm. And the, so that when in the first article gifts are removed or taken away or they're obstructed from getting to you in some way, it then is to cause us to run to the third article gifts, to our baptism, to the body and blood of Christ, to the forgiveness of sins, the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's the third article gifts are always the tangible gospel. As, right. doc, as Herman Sase, Dr. Herman Sase says, it's tangible gospel. It's concrete. It's real. You can get a hold of it. And this is super important, I think, that we don't, again, you, you know, not focus on where these third article gifts are delivered to us, where Christ is delivered to us, because they are, in actual fact, the tangible gospel, which I think we talked about that in the second podcast when we were talking about the sacraments. The whole gospel is contained in baptism. Hmm. And so in in the first article sense, that's law. That's That's the stuff that drives us not necessarily to Christ, but it really shows us that we are human. That we're that we're limited, we're finite, um, we're needy, mm. um, you know, we're exposed, you know, and that then doesn't drive us necessarily to Jesus for salvation. It often drives us to ourselves or to our neighbor in such a way that we either completely, you know, um, become hopeless about God, or we start worshiping ourselves or our neighbors as gods. Yeah, because we're trying to replace what was lost, right. and we want a tangible sign it's something that we can get our hands around again that's proof and that is why the third article gifts are gospel gifts the language of the promise because that's really the only place we can get a hold of god as he wants us to uh uh preach and worship him yeah have you ever had the experience where um maybe a parishioner would come up to you and say oh i don't know something like um well, you know, Pastor, I'm going through a rough time. You know, I lost my job, or my my son, mm-hmm. my son's in the hospital. I've got to get my life in order, and then I'll be back in church. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, now, now, wait a minute. Um, shouldn't your first priority be the gifts mm-hmm. that grant faith and trust and hope? You know, the the gifts of the Spirit that lead you to Christ and keep you with Him. Yeah. And then whatever comes with your son or with your job or whatever, um, you you have the, your confidence and hope in the things mm-hmm. where he's promised to put that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's like going to the hospital after a surgery. And <laughs> if you don't show up with the sacrament in hand, you can talk to them about the first article gifts, their health, for example, and you know this great hospital that they're staying in and their doctors, competent, you know, all right. that stuff. Right. But you're not bringing them Christ then. You're just talking about things that in the end will be taken from them. Mm-hmm. As they are taken from all of us, our life is a part of that first article gift stuff. And unless we're in Christ, then we have no life. We have no eternal life in us. Yeah. 
And so it's one thing to, to go to the hospital, for example, and talk about first article gifts, you know, blessings, however you want to phrase it. But without the body and blood of Christ, there's no eternal cap hmm. on that conversation. Right. You actually have nothing, you have nothing that does last. <laughs> right, exactly. Because n- none of those gifts, the doctors, the hospital, your health, none of those things will last. Um, and so then it's what? Not that, it's not that they don't matter or the father wouldn't have given them to you, right? Right. They don't, they don't have um, eternal significance, right? They're, they're short Exactly. Term. Yeah. They're fleeting. And or, so they can, they can yeah, exactly. They can point us to uh, third article gifts, as the law can do in its second use, but it can't give us those things. It can't give us the third article gifts. It can't give us the gospel. And that's ultimately where they fail. Right. So, so the distinction, you know, in these first article gifts, you know, the the stuff of what do we say of the life of creaturely gifts, right? That's yeah, what, that's what he says. Um, the distinction between a Christian and non Christian is just who who receives the thanks for those, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you give thanks to God, or you give thanks to yourself, your hard work, your your parents mm-hmm. who left it to you as yeah. an inheritance or whatever. Yeah. So to come back around to it then, the Father mm-hmm. gives us all created things. Christ gives us all his works, the Holy Spirit, all his gifts. Large Catechism 2, 69. His gifts, as Dr. Neil quotes, his gifts is also said in the small catechism, mm-hmm. where they are set in contrast with natural or created gifts, my own reason or strength. So if you've ever wondered what Dr. Luther meant in the third article explanation, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord to come to him, Dr. Nagel explains it for us. Reason and strength are first article gifts. They're creaturely gifts. I, that's such a fantastic yeah. distinction. Yes. That's, inter- that's interesting because that's historic, right? That the large catechism came first. That was, that was like a condensation of his preaching. Yes. You know, on the, the on, sermons, yeah. Yeah, the sermons. And then the small catechism was a further distillation. Right. And so that makes sense. That well, and that's why have, people are often yeah. confused when Luther says, you know, the two, my two greatest works are the bondage of the will and the, and the catechism. Mm. People often think he means the small catechism. He doesn't. He actually means the large catechism. Oh. That's what he said. It's often edited, but it's the bondage of the will and the large catechism. Those are his two, he said, his two greatest works. Yeah. Everything else can be burned. Hmm. And how but many again, Lutherans have read the large catechism? Oh, I know, right? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, coming back around then, his gifts, which is mentioned in the small catechism, include my own reason or strength, which is why then, as we just were talking about, your, the first article of gifts cannot get you to Jesus. Mm-mm. They're not going to save you, which is why not by my own reason or strength. It's not that reason or strength are a bad thing. It's that but in they, relation to Christ, they yeah, are. They're, they're limited. <laughs> That's why, again, Dr. Luther can say that reason is the queen of the senses and a whore. Because <laughs> in relation to Christ, your reason is actually betrays you. It causes you to create false Christs. Mm. But in Christ, you know, in creature in a in a first article sense, it is the queen of the faculties because it's the thing that allows me to be a good neighbor. Right. Love my neighbors myself. That's reason that we can come together and reason with one another. Mm. Um, people used to do that, <laughs> not so much anymore. 
Oh, let Thank me reason you with you. Uh, yeah, on Twitter. That's right. Ugh. Just lob some insults from uh, right. my office of president towards whoever and see yeah. what happens. So, Doña Creata is the solid declarations term for these things, solid declaration 855. And the same distinction is in the large catechism, uh, 2.23. These Dona Creata are individual these created gifts, these earthly gifts. And they are not the same in each person. This is so important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because when you confuse first and third article gifts, that's when you start looking at people and holding up, excuse me, this measuring rod mm. of spirituality and of piety and of you know Christian life type of stuff. Yeah, I'm a better Christian or he's a weak Christian. Exactly. And well, that's what you're doing is a sin or what you're doing wouldn't please God. And, and you know, and it's a lot of times it's not whether it's a sin or not, but it's just, I don't like what you're doing. So knock it off. Because <laughs> yeah. really, it's not just me who doesn't like it. It's God. <laughs> What's the apostles confession? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Right. One God and Father. Yeah. <laughs> no distinction is made there, right? Right. Exactly. Again, mm-hmm. in relation to Christ, there is not male or female, slave or free, you know, Greek or Jew. Okay, in relation right. to Christ. In relation to each other, I'm sorry, but we are not all created equal. <laughs> <laughs> and I know social justice warriors out there, you love to try and argue that we're all equal and we're all the same. Uh, we're not. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, come to train with me and get in the ring. Yeah, that's right. Different gifts, my friend. Different gifts. Well, it's a it's another form of idolatry, right? Where you're oh, trying 100%. to create man in some other image other than the one God gave, which is which is creative and unique in particular and uh, very expressive, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's like asking why would the Lord God create so many different kinds of animals? <laughs> Couldn't you have just created one with like interchangeable parts? I mean, that would have been easier, right? Yeah. Um, I would like my kneecaps to go both forwards and backwards, Bendy. That's right. Um, and so we, we, we play around with that. But again, God as an artist, God as creator, what does he do? He creates a variety of gifts and then gives them to us as gifts so that we can not only worship him and say thank you for these amazing gifts that you have given us, right. but so that I can serve my neighbor. <laughs> That's why there's a variety of gifts in an earthly sense because the, all of those gifts are how we serve and love our neighbor. Mm. And without them, all of us would be great at, again, this is Lego movie stuff, people. <laughs> if we were all Emmets, well, then nothing, would, nothing new or innovative would ever happen. But if we were all, you know, rocket ship builders, <laughs> then, you know, there would be no couches and no sidewalks and no order. It would be chaos. Wow. And that's, that's the about, it's about the complement that the gifts bring to our world, to our life. Wow. But in relation to Christ... The gifts are baptism, Lord's Supper, and the forgiveness of sins. Right, and and uh, it doesn't matter. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father. Yeah, exactly. which font, which water, um, you know, w- which kind of stale bread, um, right, or wine, or whatever. Uh, which pastor, frankly, mm-hmm. and which is earlier in the article, he does. Uh, what's helpful about not limiting. The, um, the giftedness of God specifically yeah. towards faith and life to only uh, that narrow definition of sacrament like we talked about in the last episode. Right, right. But, but expanding that out to say that actually the office of the ministry as Christ instituted it, the apostolic mm-hmm. ministry, is a gift, mm-hmm. as yes. is uh, absolution. 
word of forgiveness right. spoken within that office, I think is yes. what, he, what he means. That's also mm-hmm. gift. It's not, maybe you don't define it as a sacrament, but it's still a gift. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know. I, my, my recent experience maybe uh, would suggest that um, people don't always view their pastor as a gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and this is a great point though, because it's so easy the way that Nagel lays it out, the way that Dr. Luther lays it out in the catechism, it's very easy to understand why. Because the man mm. is a first article gift. That's right. With, the with office u- is a third article gift. That's right. Exactly. Um, but there's an overlap there because in, in heaven, in the resurrection, there will be no office of the holy ministry mm. anymore. There will be no need to preach the gospel and deliver the sacrament because we'll be with him. Right. And so on the one, so it is a, it is a very hard overlap between the first and third article gifts. Because that's the cross, is a whole bunch of first article gifts and a whole bunch of third article gifts. Mm-hmm. And so we often confuse the man with the office, or with, or we confuse the instrument with the word, for example. Yeah. And it, like you said, it leads itself towards idolatry, towards false uh, gods. And that's why I think, again, we don't see our pastors as gifts necessarily, or see the, the earthly means through which the, the, the spirit works as gifts necessarily, because we want to look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. Versus where where Christ locates himself in word and with water, the word with the, the bread and wine and so forth. We look at the man and we say, like Luther says in the Catechism about baptism, sure, it's a man's hands that, that pour the water over the baby's head, but it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. You know, we're just the instruments. Yeah. And so often we confuse the gift with the giver. Yeah, and so when he talks about um, uh, the sacrament of the altar earlier in the article, he talks about mm-hmm. uh, there's some warnings Two warnings are given in the large catechism, uh, five, looking to ourselves rather than to Christ's words and being pressured into faith or any good work. Yeah. It seems to be that's the same idea. I mean, we look, we look like with a church or with a pastor, I mean, we look to yeah. what they accomplish, you know, mm-hmm. like jo- like performance review and <laughs> sure. um, congregations, you know, I mean, yeah. what is a faithful congregation according to the scripture? It's about, it's, it's about the gifts. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not actually about what sort of community it is, young or old. Right, exactly. You know, what kind of chairs no you have children. or not have, pews. Chairs or pews, you know, beautiful, not beautiful. I mean, all those things are gifts, of course. Um, right. But but they don't actually define whether or not right. that's they a don't Christian church. And it, whether yeah. it's a Christian church, whether there's salvation and, yeah, whether... Well, this came up this morning in adult Bible study at the very end, Um one of my folks made the comment that he was talking with his sister and she was complaining about how there are so many religions now in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And, you know, <laughs> there's a Hindu temple right across the street from a church and um, and they were, de- you know, deploring, you know, this used to be, you know, a Christian, you know, country <laughs> and, and so forth. And I said, well, uh-huh. you're asking the wrong question. You're, you're looking the wrong direction, I said, because right now you're thinking there's us and there's them. Mm-hmm. There's we and there's they. Yeah. I said, but what makes the church the church is the question. Because if people are leaving the churches to go join these other religions, then the question should become, I think the question is, why? Why would mm-hmm. people leave the church and join another religion? And, <laughs> of course, I turned him back to the catechism. It's not us versus them, but rather is – are you in Christ or are you not? Because those are Paul's distinctions. Yeah. There's only two kinds of people, those who are in Christ and those who are not. So we have to ask ourselves, are we in Christ or are we not? Are the Hindus in Christ or are they not? Right. And if they are not, then why are our people leaving Christ to join Hinduism or to join <laughs> Jainism or to join you know some other religion? 
And again, the catechism nails it. The only reason people leave is because the gospel is not being preached. Because I believe I cannot believe, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel and enlightened me with his gifts. And so the Christian church should not be asking, why would people join that religion? Or why are there so many religions? But rather, are we in Christ or are we not? Right. And the but, only way to determine whether you are or not is to ask, where is the gospel? I would, I would add to that, though. I mean, it is possible, uh, as possible, I would say, um, that people leave the Christian church because the gospel is being preached as well. Well, there's that too, but that wasn't the context of this conversation. No, so. no but, it, I mean, but it works both ways. I mean, some people... Right, it does very much so. I mean, you, you ought to leave a church that doesn't preach the gospel to you. <laughs> I mean, exactly. You, I mean, for your own for your own salvation's sake. Well, exactly. Um, I was just talking with a guy the other night again who um, has tried to apostatize because hmm. of his experience in the church, mm-hmm. and once he found out I was a pastor, he started asking me all these questions, and um, <laughs> and and the, and you know, in the end, he said, you know, I'm, that's why I'm kind of an atheist because of the church. And I said, well, well, from what you described, I'm also an atheist when it comes to the church because. Yeah, right. I, I couldn't survive in the church you described to me. Hmm. Because nowhere in what he said did he say, well, I just got sick of my pastor always talking about Jesus. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, it just, I can't, why does pastor have to make such a big deal out of baptism all the time? I mean, we get it, move on, talk about the candles. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's none of that. It's, it's always the confusion of first and third article gifts. Right. And again, the, the the use of first article gifts to try and force Christians to come to the third article gifts um, leads <laughs> to those kinds of conversations I had with like that, that man, um, that somebody tried to use their own reason or strength to force him to Christ, to force right. him to the gifts. But then they're not gifts, of course, because they're being forced on you. And now they become a burden. It's one of those bait and switches, too, that we use, you know. Right. So say, well, like, we're going to show mercy to you, which is maybe an extension of, of the second and third article. But, mm-hmm. I mean, usually you're just talking about feeding or clothing or housing or, or you know something like that, right? Which is giving them a first article gift. And you say, well, that's going to make them Christian. You're like, um, no, actually, it's just giving them a gift <laughs> from the Father. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, as, as Paul says, you know, be prepared to make a defense for the hope that's in you. That's... That means when they say, well, why are you doing this? You say, well, actually, it's because um, of the love of Christ that, uh, that right, died exactly. for me. And you, know, you go, and, you go th- and I receive that every week here at church, you mm-hmm. know, um, right. preaching and, and uh, in my baptism. So, well, and that's, you know, without getting too far away from the article, although we pretty much already have. That's right. Uh, we had this conversation and confirmation this past week, too, of you know, how can we possibly love our enemies? And <laughs> I, you know, and the question I ask first is, well, who created him? Yeah. God did. I yeah. said, who died for his sin? Well, Jesus did. I said, exactly. I said, even our enemies can be gifts to us if they point us to Christ. And the way they point us to Christ is they remind us that he is created by the same God who created you. And he, you know, the same Jesus who died for your sin died for his sin. And even though you don't like him, um, and he's a bully, or he teases you, and you don't like what he's, you know, the names he says to you, that's still a gift because he's brought you back here to have this conversation about Jesus and about baptism and about you know, this conversation, mm-hmm. that Jesus died for him too. And so that's why we need to include him in our prayers. So that maybe you know, by you praying for him and forgiving him and so forth, um, he might ask you know, 
what you believe or come to church right. with you or whatever it might be. Right. Um, but and that, not confusing those things. And that life experience and that, that perspective that he brings, um, mm-hmm. his background actually is, is a gift to you too. Right. Exactly. You know, yeah. I, I had a, I had a non-member who was a regular attender who had serious, you know, um, theological issues. I mean, he had problems with, um, the things that we said in church, you know, what, and what scripture teaches. Um, and he, you know, routinely would say to me, well, why, you know, why do you keep talking to me? Because I don't really agree with you. And like, <laughs> you're, a, you're a blessing to me. I love talking to you because you're forcing, right. you know, um, you know, sharpening the iron or however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. Right? You're a blessing to me. And I hope I am to you too, to help, you know, you think about these things in a different way. Um, so yeah, to view that's again, that's first article gift. You're peculiar, you're unique. And uh, yes, Again, yes, they are individual and not the same (laughs) in each person. However, whereas the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to every Christian, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father. You could read that last last line from the uh, first paragraph here, which says what you just said. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. The same gift which creates faith makes a Christian and brings him to completion when there will be no more need of forgiveness, Mm -hmm. which is when you're dead, because the only time you're not sinning (laughs) is when you're brain dead. Um, and therefore you will not need forgiveness anymore because in the power of Jesus' resurrection, you're ready to go. So again, first article gifts vary. Third article gifts make a Christian and are given to every Christian equally. That's how you distinguish between first and third article gifts. For example, if a pastor or priest claims he has some gift that's unique just to him Mm. alone, Mm. then it's not a third article gift and you can ignore him. It's not, it's not the Lord speaking, it's his opinion. So just keep that in mind. So then it continues, for creaturely gifts, we are then pointed to the first article. Since it is the creed's first article, it is faith that is talking, and that makes all the difference, that faith is talking, not our reason. Mm-hmm. We have heard the creed equated with the gospel and contrasted with the law, the Ten Commandments. We have heard also how gospel slash faith, gospel faith, can receive the Ten Commandments as a gift and have good gospel use of them. <laughs> this use is characterized by unself-regarding eagerness and gladness. Large Catechism 1.9.269. This is the point you alluded to earlier. Yeah. That as Lutherans, we read the Ten Commandments twice <laughs> in two ways. The first way is prescriptive. Here is your sickness, and here's the diagnosis, and here's what we're going to do to cure the disease. We're going to kill you. Yeah, wrath and displeasure. <laughs> yes, wrath and displeasure. That's the first, our, uh, first way that we read it. The second way we, we read the Ten Commandments is descriptively, as in this is what Jesus has done for us. Mm-hmm. It's not either or, it's yeah. both and. Or as, uh, what, is the, what is the large catechism says? Oh, to read it... Um, after um, receiving the creed as a gift, as grace, right? Yes. Yeah. So insofar as the Ten Commandments point us, describe Jesus' work for us, Mm -hmm. they're evangelical. Their promise, their gift. Insofar as they point at us and say, if you do this, you live. If you don't do this, you die. And we look at our cemeteries and say, I don't think I've got a good chance of this (laughs) going my way. It doesn't point us to Christ. It points us at ourselves, and it points us at death, and it points us at our limitations and our finitude and so forth. And so we always read it both ways, so that, yes, the old Adam hates the Ten Commandments because they're a burden for him. Um, But the new man in Christ sees them for what they truly are, 
which is a description of what Christ has done for us already. Mm. And that's why we're free to obey them and free to uh, live in them for the sake of God and our neighbor. So, yeah, the Ten Commandments aren't bad. They're only bad if you're not looking at Christ. Did we read this, the next sentence, such gospel faith? Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. That, the, that the gospel uses the Ten Commandments. Right. In the same way that the gospel or faith uses creaturely gifts, the dona creata. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like, again, going back to the first, you know, first year confirmands, they've already learned and heard the Ten Commandments, but when I say the first commandment isn't a command, it's a promise, mm. that gets their attention. Yeah. Because they've never not read the first commandment as the first commandment. Mm. But when I explain that you will have no other gods before me isn't a command, it's a promise. And then I teach them the difference between a command, an imperative, and a promise. Then all of a sudden, now the rest of the Ten Commandments are open to us to read in those two ways, prescriptively and descriptively. Yeah. But, but again, natural man, as Paul would call us, can only read the, the Ten Commandments one way as a prescription hmm. that has and therefore we hate them we say they're bad we say oh well i'm a christian so i don't you know i don't have to keep the 10 commandments or obey them anymore i'm good to go it's like no dude the reason that you say things like that is because no one's pointed you towards the fact that they describe what christ has done for you right exactly now like you how, can get lost in them i like how the uh regarding the first commandment i like how the hymn sing praise to god the highest good how yeah does it say it actually says cast every idol from its throne for your god and god alone yes um, so it actually asks, it's a prayer to God, it's, or it's a statement of fact that, that God casts the idols from the throne of our heart, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. <laughs> He's the one that exactly. tears them down uh, as a gift, again. Right. It hurts. It's, it, it kills you, but right. it's a gift. Right. It's the gift that keeps on giving into eternity. <laughs> Death and resurrection, daily contrition and repentance. Yeah. So we come out of the Ten Commandments as a gift and have good gospel use of them then. This use is characterized by unself-regarding eagerness and gladness. Key point, unself-regarding. <laughs> if, if we are focused on Christ and what he has done for us, then when we look at our neighbor, we look at one for whom Christ died. We don't look at, hey, this is going to make me feel really good to help him. Yeah, that's maybe a helpful corrective for um, Jesus' statement, how it's sometimes misunderstood, right? Uh, or it's a su- the summary of the commandments. Um, right. Love, love your neighbor love as God. yourself. Yeah. Well, how, yes. how does one love the oneself? <laughs> right. But, I mean, the, the way of faith would, or the gospel use of that would be to say that you love yourself in the way that Christ loves you, right? I mean, that's the only way you can actually find, that's the only way you can actually love yourself. <laughs> well, the inverse logic mm-hmm. of it is that... If I do, again, we understand it psychologically that, well, I have to learn how to love myself and then I can love my neighbor. Mm, yeah. If I don't love myself, I can't love my neighbor. But rather, what he's saying in a very non postmodern way is yeah. you will find yourself in your neighbor. Mm. That loving your neighbor is where you actually find yourself. Loving your neighbor is actually where you find God because God is love. Mm-hmm. And it's not love myself and then I can love other people, which is mm-hmm. selfish, but rather in loving my neighbor. I will find myself. And so the worst thing you can do is go away to learn how to love yourself. Yeah. You know, go again, become a monk, go live out in the woods in a, in a, in a little shack so you can figure out how to love yourself and then come back to society and love your neighbor. No, by loving your neighbor in your vocation, that again, the gifts, the various gifts that God has given us that, you know, equal our, our vocations. Right. In those vocations, that's where you find your, yourself. 
is in service to your neighbor. One of the more helpful uh, breakaways this last summer was uh, Todd Peppercorn did one on uh, uh, suicide, which was yeah. always well attended. Kids, I, I, they, they, I'm sure they encounter this um, or suicidal ideation or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the chief recommendation, of course, is like, what do you do when somebody, when you suspect or you think they're suicidal or whatever, is you don't leave them, you stay with right. them, because, and I don't, I don't know if he said it this way, but. But it strikes me as, I mean, you you are a gift to them, and mm-hmm. part of the problem is that they they're trying to um, identify their their worth or their value mm-hmm. alone, apart from anyone else. Exactly. So you being yeah. with them, they see your you believe that 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 um, that their life is valuable, mm-hmm. and then and it works the other way. Then uh, they start to see themselves as as uh, you know. As a gift, mm-hmm. <laughs> or right, exactly. as worth living, yeah. And so, such gospel faith mm-hmm. use of the Ten Commandments may be paralleled by gospel faith use of the creaturely gifts, which we were just describing, mm-hmm. the dona creata. One may not therefore begin with talk of these creaturely gifts. This is very interesting. Mm-hmm. One may not begin with talk of these creaturely gifts, but rather. Begin with talk of the third article gifts, mm-hmm. which point which pour us out into our first article giftedness into our vocations, because otherwise we confuse long gospel. Yeah, and we and we have to be care, careful how we we distinguish that because that's really what we're talking about when we talk about first and second article or first and third article is long gospel. Everything. Do you remember those? Do you remember those things back in the eighties? The spiritual gift inventories. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and I know there were. Yeah, you, I can tell you were probably critical of them too. But I lived um, on the west coast at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but it was interesting. As I was just thinking about that. It's like the first thing you give to somebody when they want to join a congregation. So rather than give them the gifts of the spirit, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then let that work out in right you know, in in a you know their own particular creaturely way. Um, I mean, are those really even spiritual gifts? Are they really just, are they creaturely gifts? A lot of times what you were identifying, you weren't identifying whether they were patient or kind or gentle or uh, long-suffering. Right. and as like Dr. That. Nagel says at the beginning of this whole thought process, big or little s is always the test. Mm-hmm. Are these big s spiritual gifts or little s spiritual gifts? Mm. And serving cookies is not a big s spiritual gift. Yeah. Any more than being, you know, articulate in the pulpit is a spirit, necessarily a spiritual gift. As I've said before, uh, Justice Jonas, one of Luther's students and then secretary, had a speech impediment. He liked to clear his throat. He had a nervous tick. I'm sorry, not a speech impediment. He had a nervous tick. He would clear his throat constantly when he spoke in public. Oh, yeah. And so you can imagine during a sermon, you know, every 10 to 20 seconds, he... <clears throat> uh, and again, these guys used to preach 45 minutes to an hour. So how many times do you think he cleared his throat in 60 minutes? And you and you know uh, that every one of his confirmands could mimic that perfectly. To a T, yeah. right? <laughs> well, what happened then is that the people at the church came to, to Dr. Luther and complained and asked Dr. Luther to remove Justice Jonas from the preaching calendar. <laughs> we can't and when Dr. it anymore. And, yeah, they, they wanted, and, and when Dr. Luther then asked, well, what is it about Dr. Jonas, that causes you to not want to hear him preach anymore. And they said it's that it's this nervous tick he's got. He's constantly clearing his throat. It's distracting, they said. Um, of course, Luther, you know, brilliantly uh, whips them mm. for, their, for their pride and their selfishness and their lack of focus on Christ and, and the fact that Justice Jonas's nervous tick, his speech, you know, whatever you want to call it, is a gift. 
Mm. because you're not focusing on the preacher anymore. You're focusing on the sermon. You're focusing on the gospel. Yeah. Whereas if he were an eloquent preacher, you would be so focused on his speaking mm. and the way that he weaves this magical spell with his words that if I asked you after the sermon, what did he just preach to you about, you would have no idea. Yeah. Oh, Where, so good. Whereas those preacherly gifts, if he does have a gift of elo- eloquence, I'm the the faithful or gospel use of that mm-hmm. would be to preach the gospel faithfully and even creatively, um, but in exactly uh, in a way that that moves hearts and minds. You know that the the, right. the spirit takes and does his work. You know. Well, and again, the evangelical use of this is it points you at another person's you know so called defects, mm. things that may make you feel uncomfortable or even annoy you, and in an evangelical bent, you see them again as gifts that not only are they there to repent you of your pride or you're looking down at them and not loving them as yourself, but also then pointing you to, hey, Jesus died for this person too. Or um, rather than look at what, you know, looking at this, the speech impediment or the nervous tick or the physical deformity or the mental illness or whatever it may be as a curse, as, you know, a contagion, a stay away from me, rather you receive this person as a gift. Because, again, you see them as God sees them. You see them as they are in relation to the cross. And then they're not, again, deformed or mentally ill or or physically handicapped or limited. They're gifts. Mm -hmm. And that's all they are. And so now that's the whole, you know, the word compassion in Greek, splankna, means your guts, like, literally spill out, right? Yeah. So, you know, when Jesus had had, uh, compassion for the leper who said, you know, Lord, if you will, I can be healed, he splanknud. He, his guts like kind of, you know, it's like I always explain to the kids. It's like, you know, when you love somebody so much, you want to puke? That's spelunkna. That's compassion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way it describes it, is that Jesus hurts so bad for this leper that he wants to throw up. And I think in an evangelical sense, when the gift is, is revealed to us in that way, that's the way I end up feeling anyways, is I feel like my mm. guts are going to explode because I just have so much love for this person. Yeah, and I find the more deformed they are, the more unapproachable you know people tell me they are. Hmm. The 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 more I want to go find out. <laughs> I want to go see for myself. I want to see this gift. Like, yeah. What is it about this gift that is so unattractive? Um, well, that's the which way. Is it, ironic, of course, because Isaiah fifty three preps us for this right. kind of stuff. Right, and that and that is um, the example of our, you know our Lord's own ministry. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he spent time with beautiful people too. At least by worldly standards. Um, but he also, you know. This is like two C students saying to an A student, you know, grades aren't everything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Looks are worth nothing, said uh, the two ugly pastors. All right, well, but anyway, I'm sure he spent some time with some beautiful people, right? You yeah. Know, at least well-dressed, well-groomed. Oh, of um, course. You know, had put on good parties. So, <laughs> but, but then, yeah, if it, I mean, he goes into the leper colony, right? Yeah, you know, as he approaches the city, the leper city, like, mm-hmm. what are you doing going there? Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's it's almost as if, um, because of because of you know the natural inclination of our heart to not think that that mm-hmm. that it's possible for the Lord to work there, yes. that he he takes on these challenges just right. know, to continually teach us that as as the evangelist mm-hmm. recorded them. Right? That, no, there's nothing above. There's nothing above jesus saving there's no one above jesus Mm -hmm. saving i should say right yeah 
Well, and this this uh, today, which is a Sunday, we're recording this on a Sunday. The sermon I preached on was the widow's son mm. at Nain. You know, and that the the detail that Luke throws in there. There's a small detail, which is Jesus put his hand on the coffin and he put his hand on the boy. Mm-hmm. Now that makes him ritually impure. He's been tainted by death. Yeah, and it's like though like one of the biggest no nos that you could possibly trespass. And yet, that's also the first time in Luke that he's called Lord. That's right. And so you have the Lord um, coming and touching death. Mm-hmm. And the service, again, as I think I got this from Pastor Kuhlman, Brent Kuhlman, I think, or maybe it was Dr. Nagel. It was probably Dr. Nagel, but Kuhlman was a student of Nagel's too. Um, and we're all unapologetic parrots of Dr. Nagel. That um, that's his Lordness, is that in the midst of death, he is Lord over all creation, including right. death. And that, how does he say it? That's the divine service. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the right. goddess That's what that is. That's, that, what, that's how, For the mother. That's how right? God. And yeah, for the yeah, son. exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because God's service, the goddess the divine service is death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. It is, again, here, this first article, gift has now failed me. It has let me down. I'm dead. And yet the Lord says that's not actually how this ends. <laughs> it ends over here in the third article in the gospel. Right. And so he says, get up. Um, and that's such a wonderful thing that Luke draws those two nuances out of that event, that it's the first time he's called Lord, and it's also the fact that he's doing something that's, that's ritually polluting him, ceremonially polluting him. And yet that's where the divine service yeah. happens. Yeah. It's it's worse than taboo. I mean, this. Is, oh yeah, no. I mean, then that's probably why the bearers stood still, right? <laughs> the ones yeah. carrying the coffin. They're like, they're. I, you know, you wonder like, did he tell them to stop? No, they didn't have to tell them to stop. They're like, uh, we got to get away from this guy. Right. What are you thinking? Yeah. This is. I mean, he's plus you're with, a rabbi. You're playing it's with fire. Worse. Yeah. Right. Hmm. So there we have it, and they may rather, so we'll come back around, the Ten Commandments may be paralleled by gospel faith used with the creaturely gifts. One may not therefore begin with talk of creaturely gifts. Regarded in isolation, they don't give the gospel. Mm-mm. There we go. Regarded in isolation, first article gifts do not give gospel. They may rather lay demands on us, <laughs> lead us to despair in their ambiguity and inadequacy, especially if we do measurements on them. That's, again, mm. large catechism one. More mathematics. 10. And Dr. Nagel uh, reiterates this constantly. Yes, exactly. That the language of the law is the language of mathematics. Mm-hmm. It's the language of measures and limitations. It's the if-then kind of talk, not the because-therefore. Mm. Or as, as my doctor father likes to say, the law talk is always the, the language of scarcity, mm. the language right. of famine. Right. The gospel is always flood language. It's the language of abundance. Mm-hmm. And finally, Dr. Nagel concludes this paragraph by writing, regarding the Holy Spirit, there can be no measurements. John 3, 34. That's, oh, that's such a take, it's a kicker. <laughs> it's such a good line. <laughs> regarding the Holy Spirit, there can be no measurements. Yeah. So the act of unbelief would be to say, I don't think that, that you know, right. we can do He couldn't this, possibly. They couldn't possibly. That person Did God possibly. really say? Yeah. It's the language of limitations, of measurements. Which is then, denies the third article. <laughs> Which again, going back to the first article gifts stuff, when you confuse first and third article gifts, you start measuring. Mm-hmm. You start putting conditions on, well, which gifts are truly capital S spiritual gifts and which yeah. you know, gifts aren't. Yeah. And then it, it gets, like he says, it gets reduced to the point of almost ambiguity because then it becomes just about the yes or no of my personal taste buds. Hmm. 
And so the distinction between law and gospel is the distinction between measurements and no measurements. Right. So Abundance you can't say, Good. right, that's why when you preach on baptism and Lord's Supper in the gospel, you cannot say that the gospel doesn't forgive all sin. <laughs> as, as terrifying as that is in actual practice, a lot of times for us as pastors, yeah. the gospel is without limitation because the Holy Spirit is without limitation. To put a measurement, to put a limitation on the gospel is to make it law, no matter how good it sounds. Yeah. So again, I, I go back to uh, John Agricola's Easter sermon, your Good Friday sermon, that got him in so much trouble, and rightly so, that you know he says, here's Jesus crucified for your sin. Now, doesn't this make you want to say thank you? Uh-huh. Doesn't this move? Doesn't this move your heart to tears? Uh-huh. Doesn't this again? Doesn't this um, stir you up basically to go out and 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 live a life worthy of Christ's death for you? Were you there? Tremble, tremble. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that would be a confusion of law and gospel, right? Because you because you're saying this is an unconditional gift. He died for your sin. However, mm. the ungospel version of the but, but if you don't say thank you. Like, again, my grandma stopped sending me birthday cards when I was 12 because I never wrote thank you cards. Hmm. So she said, I didn't deserve money. Yeah. Likewise, if you don't show Jesus how thankful you are, he's going to take back his death. So, and, and so that's uh, how Dr. Nagel deals with Ten Commandments, you know, echoing Luther from the large catechism. It says, right. in the way of the gospel, then the Ten Commandments themselves become a gift for the keeping of which the gospel gives us help and prompting. This keeping mm-hmm. is by way of and with the forgiveness of sins. Nothing exactly. is good that is not forgiven. Forgiveness right. is the all-inclusive gift of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah, so there's no no limit. It And without the forgiveness mm-hmm. of sins, there is nothing good in us. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's We've talked about this in the past, that all of us, as, as, as far as preaching goes, all of us, believe that we're always as far as you can go with the gospel hmm. at any given time, hmm. which in and of itself is an oxymoronic statement. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, because the gospel has no limits. And so my point is that's what we do as pastors to protect ourselves from the gospel <laughs> is we try and say, well, this is as far as the gospel could possibly go. And therefore I have preached the full counsel of God when it comes to the matter of his word of gospel. And the answer that God gives is always, eh, wrong answer. <laughs> wow. You know, this ocean has no shores. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's why uh, genuine gospel preachers are sometimes accused of being, what's the word? Oh, dangerous. Dangerous, as <laughs> Luther said, you know, bless you when they consider you dangerous, when you <laughs> preach a too sweet gospel. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. You know. But again, like we, we were talking about earlier, if you get excited and proud of the fact that you preach a two-sweet gospel, you need to repent of that mm-hmm. because that's the opposite side of, well, if I preach the gospel, people won't leave. Well, if I preach the gospel, people will leave. And you start going, well, what am I preaching? Well, let's look around. You know, the people yeah. I didn't like left or the people I don't like are, are accusing me of preaching a two-sweet gospel and therefore they're wrong, I'm right, mm. I've got the gospel, they don't. Notice I'm saying I all the time. Yeah. Maybe just Instead preach the Christ. gospel and let the Holy exactly. Spirit figure it out. Do Exactly. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's a there's a funny thing to do. Maybe pastoral vocation is passive, not active. Mm. <clears throat> Chasing after the Spirit to try and swallow him feathers and all. Yeah. Use what gifts you've got. <laughs> exactly. You know, for faith, by the, you know, by the, through the gospel. For the forgiveness of sins. That's for ultimately what sin. we're driving towards. 
that again, the, the Ten Commandments in their evangelical sense, that's what they're doing. They're driving us to third article gifts. Mm. They're driving us to Christ crucified for our sin. Mm. So, any last words, Pastor Gillespie, on the Spirit's gifts and the confessions we didn't even and talk about We didn't talk about Corinth. We're just stuck in that first I article. know. It's, it's fascinating. I love that uh, we started out talking about the ability of people like Dr. Nagel to, to, to nuance that, to flesh <laughs> that out, no pun intended, yeah. um, mm-hmm. in a way that even though it's about third article gifts, you get hung up in the first article gifts. And the distinction, and then that leads you in deeper into the distinction between law and gospel, and that leads you, you know, deeper into what we were just talking about, you know, of not confusing first and third article gifts <laughs> and some of the consequences. It's like he does that; he just plays in that way because he's so comfortable, he's so tuned uh, tuned in to that that conversation. And I think we've lost a great amount of that, actually, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not that we don't we don't learn from Doctor Nagel or others. It's I think. It's just our generation, and it's the burden the Lord has placed upon us. Yeah. Is I think we've been burdened with lack of imagination <laughs> and too much knowledge. Mm. And I think too much knowledge too much knowledge accompanied by a lack of imagination is what, you know, turns us all into little lawyers. You know, we can we can cite precedents, mm. um, yeah. but we can't we don't understand the spirit of the law. Mm. Whereas what Dr. Nagel just proved for us is that the spirit of the law is Christ. Yeah. And and therefore we can be free in Christ to play and rejoice in the law. Yeah, I mean that's nice because at the beginning of our conversation we we were talking about how how he just keeps rolling with his punches, right? Mm-hmm. But, but he does it. It's not an it's not an abusive way. It's in a, it's it's actually just in a free way. It's, yes. it's like he's freestyling. I guess is what we'd say, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. he's just freestyling, and he knows the catechism front and back. He knows the scriptures <laughs> even better, and yeah. and it just it, he's just rolling. He's just rolling. Yeah. Away. Yes, that's the elegance of it. He's having a good time at it too. (laughs) Oh yes, because he loves making this confection. I was going to say, Doctor Nagel said, "If Christianity makes you groan, then you're doing it wrong." (laughs) He was always having fun. Sermon on baptism. (laughs) That's right. Here we go. Thank you, Eeyore. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that and um, uh, look up Concordia Journal, July 1992. Call around, search the internet, scour, ask friends. But try and track down a copy of The Spirit's Gifts in the Confessions and in Corinth by Dr. Norman Nagel. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope we passed the audition. And we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Higher Things thanks you for your support. Please continue to support the work we do with youth by going to our website at higherthings.org, clicking on the support, donating securely through PayPal. Your gift helps us in our mission. Support pastors, youth workers, and parents daring our church's youth to be Lutheran. Higherthings.org slash support. Give today.